Well, I'm recording in my closet for the first time. What's your name, Luca? In honor of this episode, I went back into the closet. First time? Of course it's my first time. I, I'm a good kid. <laughs> no, dude, relax. Breathe. <laughs> you know, if you're down, I'd like to talk about a movie that takes place under the sea, starring everyone's favorite half-human sea creature who has to go to the surface in order to find love in three days and win a competition. (laughs) Whoa, whoa. whoa. You had me up until the competition. Um, (laughs) So in case you haven't guessed it, we're talking about everyone's favorite Pixar modern classic, Luca, from 2021. Written and directed by Enrico Casarosa. Man, mm-hmm. I love Luca. I think it is seriously one of the greatest Pixar movies ever. And it really surprised me because I didn't expect it to be good. It just kind of showed up out of nowhere. And then I was like seeing pictures of it. And I was like, what, like little fish boys? And then like my kids turned it on and they watched it. And I was like, this is like a really great movie. This is such like a cool story of low stakes, fun yeah. adventure and friendship. <laughs> like just yeah, a couple of bros exploring and trying to win a race and learning about friendship and exploring their sexuality and <laughs> yeah, well, wait. Uh-oh. Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real. I'm Leif Eric. I'm here with Torvald, my co-host. That's me. And today, as we've already said, we are going to be talking about Luca. What is Luca and his family, like, are they mermen? Uh, merpeople, I guess monsters. would be the correct term. Well, so yeah, that's they, in the movie, they just call them sea monsters. But these guys are like the furthest from anything I've ever seen described right. as a sea monster. Sea ever. monsters are usually either like a big kraken <laughs> tentacle yeah, monster. Yeah, big tentacle like monsters a, or a big underwater dragons. Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've never seen anything even close to resembling these people like weird shape shifting. Right. They're kind of like Kappas or Grindylows or something yeah. like that. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that referred to as a sea monster. So I'm just wondering, like, where did this idea come from? Like, is this some Italian mythology that I don't know I, of? I probably should have <laughs> looked that up. I tried. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> okay, like, good. Well, I'm glad and it's especially did. weird because the uh, writer and director, Enrico Casarosa, he is like Italian, and I figured like this would be steeped in Italian folklore, but like, I don't know. Well, it is steeped in homoerotic undertones, <laughs> so there's that. Dude, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, this is just a happy, cool movie. So, uh, in my opinion, and I say this in the best possible way, I think this is a good thing. In my opinion, Luca is like the world's greatest ripoff of um, the adventures of Thomas Sawyer. And Huckleberry Finn. Right. I was actually going to say that. Yeah. Because obviously Alberto is Huck Finn. He is. He's clearly Huck and Luca's clearly Tom. Tom's not such a good boy, though. He's kind of a bad boy. In fact, it's often Tom who's leading Huck into, you know, getting in trouble. (laughs) In my opinion, Tom's not a very likable character and Huck kind (laughs) of is. But then there's some problematic stuff in those books, mostly... Sure, yeah. Dealing with like racial stuff. (laughs) Right, yeah, um, definitely. (laughs) Right. So I feel like this is just that story, but better in every way because there's none of the weird racial stuff. And Tom in in this version is totally likable. You know, like Luca's just a good kid. Wait, you, we, we were talking about how this movie may or may not have some sexual undertones or something. What is the theory for this movie? 
Leif. Well, uh, <laughs> well, we believe that we know who Alberto's father is. Wow, and, that theory. Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't going it, for that one, but sure. It is Bruno from the movie Encanto. Okay, wait. Alberto's father from Luca is Bruno, <laughs> the guy we don't talk about from Encanto. Yeah. From the future yeah. seeing madman who lives in the walls of La Casa <laughs> in uh-huh. the Encanto Valley, which is completely sealed. That yes. man is this that, guy that, from Italy's yep. father? Yes. That, the that Colombian is, that is, <laughs> prophet? From That is the theory. And we are going to go over some specific evidence and also some less specific non-evidence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, as we just imagine how perhaps that could have happened. But anyway, we but hey Torvald, don't we have another theory for this episode that's far more solid than the Bruno one? <laughs> I'm sure that there are other people who will have this point of view and I'd like to, you know, hear what other people think about yeah, this. But the first time I watched actually. this movie, it's <laughs> oh, a yeah, very popular theory for this movie. <laughs> well, and I mean, I can understand the theory. The first time I watched it, I was like, "Hey, wow, this is like totally an analogy for um you know, not just coming of age and kind of discovering your sexuality, but also, you know, discovering possibly your homosexuality or like at least your your queer nature or, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a metaphor for kind of coming out of the closet of a young boy. This is a pretty interesting subject for a Disney or Pixar movie to be exploring. And I think that it did it pretty well. I think that it honestly could have just come out and done it (laughs) rather than hiding it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At the beginning of the movie, he's herding his fish around and he finds a clock and he finds some other surface world stuff. And these are clearly in his mind, in his world, these are forbidden objects and he's treating them like that. He's he's darting around, looking at them, hiding in the grass and approaching them slowly. These objects to him are alluring and captivating, but taboo. Really, for no reason at all are they taboo because they're completely harmless. He wants to touch them and experience them, but he fears them. And this fear is only due to societal influence. There's no reason to fear a clock. Right. And I think that is the start of the analogy showing that like, hey, you know, there may be something that the world teaches you is wrong or something that everyone around you looks down on. But really, it's just a clock, right? Really, it's just something, you know? And this is kind of the start of the analogy where maybe you're attracted to somebody who everyone else says that that's wrong and that's horrible, but really, it's just, you know, how you are and it doesn't actually matter. Just one thing we should get out of the way just to begin with is that the director, Casa Rosa, has said... No, it's not a metaphor for uh, a homosexual coming out of the closet. That's wrong. Uh, to you, that, dude. I Why say, not let it be that. You know, we know it doesn't matter what the filmmaker says. Um, yeah, a, another right. an alternate <laughs> interpretation the of the movie can be just as valid, regardless of what the director says. And also, uh, of course, he said that he's working for Disney, and he's you know he's probably like an old older dude, and he doesn't he's, he he doesn't he thinks you know we don't talk about Bruno, you know he he thinks that yeah. Uh, I mean, that's literally the attitude. (laughs) Come on, dude. What else? If not that, then what is this movie saying? 
<laughs> like, come on. But like, like that shows What's just how popular this theory is, how many people watched it and got that out of it. Like, I don't even think it's a theory. Like I watch it and I'm like, yeah, that's definitely what it's about. Clearly they just can't say it because it's Disney. Uh, yeah. It, the fact that the director has even commented on it means that, you know, it, it is some a very popular thing that most, a lot of people think. Just to keep moving with the metaphor that we have for him finding these forbidden items, he then sees a boat and immediately imagines kind of leaving his own world and, you know, you could say like coming out of the closet. <laughs> you know, he leaves the water <laughs> in his mind and above the water, he sees what is clearly a warped image of Alberto on the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> at least I, I, I think that's what it looked like to me. But anyway. How do we like originally learn that this is bad to go to the surface? His mom is yeah. like yelling at him for doing it. And he's like, I was just curious. <laughs> he starts the conversation saying, mom, where do boats come from? Which is just a weird thing to ask. Like, <laughs> this is clearly like a reference a kid to the sexual question of where do babies <laughs> where come do babies from, right? Come like, from? Yeah. And then his parents freak <laughs> out. When Luca's parents, you know, like try to push back, grandma says, he's old enough to hear about it. <laughs> like, this is clearly a metaphor for something yeah, sexual. 100%. <laughs> How could Casarosa deny this? this is, uh, no, like this, <laughs> nobody would talk about like this. Let's let's take the uh, the Lion King, for example, because in the Lion King, Simba wants to go to somewhere forbidden. Right. Like he says, hey, what's over there? Does uh, does Mufasa say, no, Simba, uh, you're not old enough to hear about that. <laughs> like, does he say, does he, <laughs> we do not discuss, <laughs> contemplate or talk about going anywhere near the <laughs> elephant graveyard, whatever it is. No, <laughs> it's just really weird. The framing of this conversation. And like yeah. you said, the mom says we do not talk, think, discuss, contemplate or go anywhere near the surface. Got it. This is not about him going to the surface this is about the idea of the surface this is about right. even just like the surface world pervading their conversation this is about the concept of the surface just yeah. like how a very you know hyper conservative family might talk about homosexuality right right they'd like, be like, like hey we, we don't even talk about episode, that we don't talk about bruno you know? exactly yes we won't even discuss it and also like you can't even think about it because like at this point in society they're kind of thinking of it as almost like a disease like you know right. if it gets a hold clearly, of you yes. whoa. clearly a mentality <laughs> a, a stigma a taboo that they're addressing not just a forbidden place this is a forbidden <laughs> subject matter right then when he is swimming away she turns back to luca's dad and she says we're a little worried about him right <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this, this goes way beyond him wanting to go to a dangerous place. She's talking right. about it as like if the very structure of their moral system is <laughs> right. like being undermined. Well, this seems like a good time to mention that this movie has very good music. It's very like Studio Ghibli-esque music. And clearly oh, the dude. people who created this movie love Studio Ghibli because they named it Porto Rosso, the name of the town, yeah. wow. which is a reference <laughs> sure to Porco Rosso, the Studio Ghibli film. Luca swims back to examine the human debris that he found again. And Alberto, in a diving suit, approaches Luca, gripping his long, erect shaft. Oh, um, so <laughs> um, he then invites Luca to touch his shaft, saying, hold this. 
<laughs> which Luca obliges. <laughs> <We can't air this. laughs> Alberto then grabs Luca's shaft, letting out an involuntary oh of approval. <laughs> now I'm not lying. They they are both constantly handling each other's shafts during this section of the scene. Well, let's explain what the shafts are. Alberto's shaft being a long spear and Luca's shaft being his shepherd's pole. (laughs) But I I definitely see the analogy here. I don't, I mean, come on. Like my description of the scene was completely apt. Okay. I mean, you're making it more sexual than I would have gone with this theory. I I think it's more about him realizing he, he has feelings for the same gender. No, no, they they were, they were going at it like fish. (laughs) Well, like fish. <laughs> yeah, fish don't do not do that. <laughs> Alberto swims to the surface and then hooks Luca with his shepherd's pole and pulls him out of the water. First time? Of course it is. I'm a good kid. And that, that line alone, I am a good kid. Every, that's why so many people have this theory. Why that's would you why say I I'm a yes. good kid? <laughs> like, it's so in your face. Let's take the Lion King example again. Like Simba took Nala to the elephant graveyard, a place that they both knew was (laughs) forbidden. And he says to her, you've never been here before. And Nala's like, of course, I'm a good kid. Well, right. No, it's it's exactly like that with these two young lions in a children's movie. (laughs) It's just a weird way to treat each other when venturing to a forbidden place, unless that forbidden place is metaphorical and the place you're actually venturing is your own sexual sexuality Um, (laughs) then all of this makes perfect sense that's of course how you would talk to each other so at this point i need to go to our other theory about bruno just for a small note his name alberto is alberto scorfano well why would his name be scorfano if his father is bruno madrigal Oh, that that puts a hole in my theory. Oh, oh, wait. Except, why does Bruno have the name Madrigal? Because in the Madrigal family, they keep the name of the mother. And Bruno, who traveled all the way to Italy <laughs> to impregnate a fish lady, he must have followed that same tradition. And so he let Alberto keep the last name of his mother, which was Scorfano, which is probably some kind of fish. So that all makes sense. You're right. Because Mirabelle is Mirabelle Madrigal, not yes. Mirabelle, whatever, whatever her father's her name. last name is. Yeah, exactly. Okay, even though she is not her mother's daughter, she still got her mother's <laughs> maiden name. That's interesting. Yeah. I was referencing our uh, Encanto theory for anyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the episode. Yeah, yeah well, that's a great episode. So the next day, Luca sneaks up to the surface. Alberto takes Luca home with him. Because he wants Luca to see his large erect tower. <laughs> so, Gosh, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> Why is he living in a tower? He I'm didn't have to gonna... live in a oh, giant. No, that, that's erect a good question. Tower. So, this feeds into the Bruno was his father theory. Why? Why does Alberto live in a tower on like a secluded island? Yeah. If his father was a sea monster, why would they live above the water? That yeah, doesn't make it's any actually sense. A really good question. Because he lived here with his dad. He says so. I mean, if you're a sea monster, it seems like you would either 
live in the water or you would live in the town. Why would mm-hmm. you live on a secluded island above the water? Well, I'll tell you why. Because your father is a person who is most comfortable when secluded and who mm-hmm. grew up in a room that is literally a tower. <laughs> and oh, so he is most hey. comfortable in towers and in seclusion because he grew up in a valley that was secluded right. and also completely secluded from his own family. So he picked this island with a tower on it to live in because he couldn't yep. live under the water with his son because you know he's a human (laughs) well like them having alberto live here actually makes me think at some point in development that they had planned to have alberto be like half human and that his dad was a human and they were going to introduce that at some point or something because there's no reason for him not to live underwater with the other sea monsters it just doesn't make sense except for just like the tom and huck thing right it was clearly like huck and his father kind of lived further away from the rest of society kind of thing yeah they could just be further away in the water yeah (laughs) (laughs) why would he be on land like it's like a major unexplained plot hole in the movie because it's super important that alberto unlike luca lives on land (laughs) but why he's a sea monster they just never explain it So I I actually like the Bruno theory here because it does explain it. It, This tells us why Alberto lives on land. Because his dad's a human. He can't live underwater. They start talking about Vespas. Alberto says uh, it's just the greatest thing that was ever made. But Luca here reads the phrase Vespa is freedom, which is written on that poster in Italian. So Luca can read Italian? And also what language are they speaking? Because they don't know what that trompetto... Like yeah, it's really weird that mm-hmm. that Alberto said means, right. and they also don't like know Luca, what what's wrong with you, stupido means. But they do seem to speak the same language as everyone exactly, else who yes. is human. It's, it's weird. It's like they're it, in some really sort confusing. of English-speaking Italian-accented world where some right. people have accents, but most don't. <laughs> well, no, it's like Puerto Rosso is specifically a place in Italy where everyone is Italian but speaks English, right. and also. The sea monsters who live nearby speak English, but don't speak Italian. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yes, that's weird. That's the universe. Pretty strange. (laughs) They decide to make their own Vespa. And, uh, you know, Luca sighs as they both stare dreamily at each other. There's a Vespa between them, but they're clearly staring at each other. Like, what? look at their eyes. They're not staring right. at the Vespa. I'm just but saying. While they're building the Vespa, Luca keeps saying that he has to leave. And he just, he doesn't leave. He, he nope. you know, it's two hours later, 45 minutes later, you know. And so Luca around this point says, if my parents found out about you, it would be bad. So goodbye forever. Now, I think it's very telling. He doesn't say, my parents found out I went to the surface. He says, my parents found out about you. Yeah, that's a really good line. But presumably, he's just another sea monster who is this boy's friend. The problem Mm -hmm. isn't Alberto. The problem in the movie is supposed to be that he went to the surface. Unless you read into it the metaphor, right? Like, this is very clearly, you are a bad boy and I'm in love with you. So goodbye Mm -hmm. forever because I'm a good boy, right? (laughs) This is not a line that you would say unless you're talking about, like, a person that you don't want to bring home to meet your parents. Not to derail our our Lion King analogy, but uh, a different analogy would be, like, he pulls... Luca out of the closet and he's a bad boy and he takes him to this strange new world above the surface. Now, 
if they were male and female characters, even as kids, everyone would jump to romance, like Wendy and Peter in Peter Pan. Now, they're mm-hmm. little kids, and yet yeah. everyone kind of thinks there's kind of a cute little kitty romantic relationship between well, those they two. Give each not, other kisses. Because there is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, Tinkerbell is like extremely kisses, jealous. I mean thimbles. <laughs> like Tinkerbell else gets Matt, extremely yeah, jealous. Yeah, I was going to say, it shows the same emotions that certain people <laughs> show in this movie. <laughs> but just because they're male female, everyone's like, oh, that's a romantic relationship. And yet here we don't think that, even though it clearly also is, just because or they're male be, and male. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Around this point, uh, we have a little more evidence for the Bruno theory because he starts talking about, you got a Bruno in your head. The idea is it's someone warning you of negative things happening in the future. He says, I get one too sometimes. Alberto, you can't. Alberto, you're going to die. Alberto, don't put that in your mouth. These are clearly the sorts of phrases a dad would say to their young child. Especially, don't put that in your mouth, right? Like, I think Alberto is clearly recalling phrases that his father, Bruno, said to him. And now he kind of has his father stuck in his head telling him to, you know, don't do not do that. I mean, I get the name. The name is clearly there. And I think this is what you're trying to drive home is that he's dropping the name Bruno Why would he say the name Bruno unless that was the name of his dad? Even if this isn't connected to Encanto, I feel like his father's name must be Bruno because when Luca asks, why is he called Bruno? He very quickly deflects. He says, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You can call him whatever you want. (laughs) You know, like clearly the reason is that Bruno is the name of his father. And and I completely, you know, constantly throughout this entire movie, any questions about his father, Alberto deflects just like that. He'll just kind of change the subject. He just doesn't want to talk about his father, right? Sound like anyone else? We don't talk about who? What? Who don't we talk about? We don't talk about Bruno. So I'm just saying, even if it's not Bruno Madrigal who his father, his father is named Bruno. So why Mm -hmm. not Bruno Madrigal? Right. Um, So I think there's two important things that you're proving here. One is that, like you said, Alberto's dad is named Bruno. And I think there's really good, uh, good evidence for that based on how Alberto reacts. Why would he drop the name Bruno unless that's someone he actually knows who would tell him not to do stuff? The second piece of proof that you're, you're putting forward here is what might lead us to believe that the Bruno who is his dad is the Bruno who is a madrigal and can see the future. Wait, he can see the future? And what does he do with his knowledge of the future? Does he... <laughs> Like, tell people things and make them mad. (laughs) That's exactly what Bruno does. He's always telling people, hey, no, don't do this because this is going to happen. Or, oh, look out, it's going to rain. Or, oh, stop, your your hair is going to fall out. Your fish is going to die. All that kind (laughs) of stuff, which is exactly the kind of things that he would be telling Alberto. Because Alberto's always going to do something to hurt himself. Yeah. And what does that make people do to to Bruno back in in Encanto. They hate him. They hate Bruno. It makes them not talk about Bruno or Silencio Bruno. (laughs) Exactly. Silencio (laughs) Bruno, which is exactly what he is teaching Luca. Don't talk about Bruno. Silencio Bruno. I think this is great evidence. There are just a couple other similarities here just with the tower. So Bruno does have an old-fashioned style gramophone in his room in Encanto inside the walls. And Alberto does have an old-fashioned gramophone. 
but Alberto has no idea how those work. <laughs> so. Yes, and he has no idea how it works, and he just got it from those fishermen at the very beginning. Yeah, like of the movie, just I got think. it like a day ago. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not great evidence. But okay, if you look in the background in the Bruno scene where Mirabel finds Bruno in the walls, you can see that he has an old boot filled with soil and a plant sticking out of it. What? That's the boot from Wally. Whoa. But this what? theory has nothing to That's do with cool. Wally. <laughs> um, <laughs> clearly really that cool. oh, oh, it's just an Easter egg. Except wait a minute. If you look in the background in Alberto's tower, he has that exact boot sitting there. And it's not yet filled with soil or a plant, <laughs> but it is the same boot or at least looks the same. That's pretty cool, but except how could he have gotten that boot after the events of Luca? No, no he has the other boot. There's two boots. There's two boots. That makes perfect sense. Dude. Bruno had two boots, and when he left to go back to Encanto... He only brought one. He Yeah, he left one behind, and then not being able to use these boots anymore because he only had one, he just filled it with it soil like and planted pot. a plant in it. <laughs> Whoa. So the rest of this scene, after the Silencio Bruno section, Alberto convinces Luca to actually ride the Vespa with him. And they ride down the hill. And as they ride down, it starts to come apart. So Luca's forced to wrap himself around Alberto's lower body, <laughs> taking flight together into the water. This entire scene with him trying to get Luca to ride the Vespa with him, I kind of took as like a, a playful ruse to get Luca to, you know, be close to him and hug him and do something fun. Like I said, at the beginning, he's like, look, Luca, we've got to ride together. If you don't sit on the back and hold on to the front, it will fall apart. There's no reason that it would. They've made hundreds of Vespas. Why will this one fall apart? Counterpoint, <laughs> it does, though. That I know does. it does, but <laughs> me, I'm thinking he made it specifically to do that. I think that this this was his own little ruse but just to get, to get to my Luca counterpoint. To clearly that plan doesn't work. So clearly the only reason was to get Luca to, to hug him. But OK, another piece of evidence here. When they get on the bike to go down the ramp, Alberto adjusts his side mirror and it has a photo of a mustached man and he kind of makes a kissing noise at it before they go down the mountain. Yeah, it's like now, an old Italian actor. Yeah, this actor is Marcello Mastroianni and I don't know too much about him, but he seems to be regarded as one of the greatest Italian actors of all time. He's actually famous for being in a lot of Federico Fellini movies like La Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half. Federico Fellini, of course, being a very famous Italian director who the director of this movie really loved, which is why they also have posters for La Strada in the town, which is another Federico Fellini movie. So this kind of supports both of our theories. Clearly, Alberto is attracted to this famous actor because he's got a picture of him and he makes a kissing yeah. noise at it. <laughs> yeah. But like, why is Alberto have this random picture of this random actor? How did Alberto know about this actor? Well, we know that Bruno likes watching TV. Bruno from Encanto. Because when Mirabel comes in, he starts talking about all these soap operas and stuff. He clearly knows yeah. about TV. And he makes now, his own he... soap operas with his rap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... So when he was living here on this random island with Alberto, they must have gone into somewhere, the town or somewhere at some point to watch movies 
It's true. You're right. Why would Alberto know of any Italian actors? Why, why would Alberto know about Marcello contact. Mastroianni? But the thing yeah. is, during this time period, if you went to see like any movie in Italy, this guy was one of the most famous actors. So there's a good chance you would see him and kind of fall in love with him because he was considered like a really, you know, hotsy, handsome man. So I think that this is evidence that someone must have taken Alberto into town to see movies and him saying he's never been to the town before must be a lie. I'm not completely sure that we're proving that Bruno is specifically his dad, but I think we're coming up with really solid proof that Alberto is half human, that his dad yeah. is human, and that yeah. his dad was named Bruno. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, if you maybe, put two and two together there. Might not be Bruno from Encanto, but yeah, his, his dad must have been human and was definitely named Bruno. So why yeah. not Bruno from Encanto? There are yeah. actually a few good reasons why not, but we'll get into those oh, no. later. <laughs> He also says, my dad told me all about it regarding the human town, so I'm pretty much an expert. But this proves that his dad must have been a human. Like, that's further proof. Why would his dad know all about the human town unless he was human? Right. So after they're, you know, they finally get their fun ride together, they lay together at night. Luca falls asleep with his boyfriend in a totally innocent way, but they do sleep together and he stays out late and he gets in trouble. I really think that Luca's parents absolutely suck because basically after putting him to work every day, now they're going to like send him away to like conversion camp at the bottom of the ocean. Luca says, but mom, we're always careful. And then he gasps and covers his mouth. Right. If you get in trouble for spending the night at your boyfriend's house and your response is we're always careful and then you cover your mouth that's kind of admitting that like right yeah you're like we use protection <laughs> oh wait i shouldn't have said that we did because now they know that we did it no that makes sense i gotcha i don't know <laughs> yeah now you're catching on that's like a point that i, I would make <laughs> i know <laughs> wow The whole point of this scene to me, it feels like his family is literally trying to send him away to be reformed because he's different. Right. And he's not saying stuff like, I don't know, I don't want to go to the bottom of the sea. I want to live here. He's not saying that. He says, why are you doing this? And his mom doesn't say to keep you away from the surface. She says, I know you and this is what is best for you. Right. Like the whole conversation really just seems like. She's not saying don't go up to the surface. She's saying, I know you aren't this person. Don't be this person, right? Yeah. Side note about Uncle Ugo, who is the really gross uncle who was going to take... We want to see whale carcass. There's so much Right. Well, he clearly lives very, very deep in the ocean. He's like one of those like fish that has the little glowy thing on its head. He lives in complete darkness. And uh, this has nothing to do with any theory. But you might wonder, where is he from if they're in the Mediterranean, which is like like a locked ocean? I guess I do wonder where he's from. (laughs) Where might that be? (laughs) Well, he's clearly from the Calypso Deep, which I just it's just surprising to me. That's the only reason I'm mentioning is that. The second deepest trench in the world, other than the Marianas Trench, is the Calypso is Deep, in the which is in the Mediterranean Sea. Yes. What? <laughs> it's crazy. That's crazy. What the heck? <laughs> That's really weird. It, it's just weird because it's like, it's not a big ocean. You'd think it would be like the Atlantic Ocean or something, right? But no, it's right. the Mediterranean like, Sea. you think that between, the Mediterranean like, you know, would be like Italy almost just like a shallow Africa. lake between two continents. Yeah, not like yeah. the deepest ocean in the world. You learn something every day. So... Makes perfect sense that their uncle would live there. Anyway. So Alberto and Luca run away. 
as they run away, they have some more like relationship defining moments where basically Alberto is reaffirming Luca's choices, the opposite of what his family did. You know, whether or not we're talking about homosexuality here, we are clearly talking about being different and how people react to it. That's what the director said when he was like, no, it's not about sexuality. He's like, it's just more vaguely about just like being different and, you know, finding right. acceptance. Sexually, yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they literally jump into the ocean holding hands as they swim together towards the village. Yeah. This is probably a good moment for a very quick side theory I have, which is that these sea monsters exude a high amount of oil that makes water come off of them very quickly. And they must, so much yes. that it permeates whatever clothes they are wearing. Uh -huh. So they just like gush out this oil, but it's like very fine and invisible. So you can't really see it. And that is the only explanation I can come up with for how they constantly dry off so fast. Okay. One piece of evidence that supports this is when they go into town ice cream does not stick to them. <laughs> like, they're clearly coated in some sort of oil because they get ice cream on them and it immediately comes off. Like, that would be a pretty big mess for a human, but not for a sea monster. Anyway. <laughs> well, and this is another um, theory that I wanted to get into, actually. You might ask, why was the movie named Luca? It's better than Coco. At least Luca's in the movie. <laughs> Whoa, oh, you're right. No, so Luca... In scientific terms, LUCA is an acronym, basically, for Last Universal Common Ancestor, the most recent population of organisms from which all organisms now living on Earth share common descent. You're trying to say that he's that evolutionary creature that crawled out of the ocean one day and all mammals evolved from. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's clearly what Luca does. He is both, you know, a sea animal and a land animal. He is the last universal common ancestor. So whatever, whatever animal he is has evolved to live in both worlds just fine. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting when I looked up the word Luca. Wow. A small note for the Bruno theory. When they get into town, there is a poster for La Strada, a movie by Federico Fellini. That movie came out in 1956. That means we know that this movie is taking place sometime after 1956. And we know that Encanto is taking place probably sometime in the 60s because of this present will self-destruct okay. in three, two, mm -hmm. one. So just and trying to get the time because straight. That would have given Bruno plenty of time to go knock up a lady in Italy, have a kid right. and come back. <laughs> the idea is that Bruno probably left right after he had that vision about Mirabelle when she was like, whatever it is, five years old. And right. he probably left right away. And mm -hmm. that would give time for his son to grow up to be about 12 years old by yeah, this 10, point. 12, yeah. Now, Bruno in the movie Encanto says, he, he's like, I thought about leaving, but you know, the walls around Encanto are really high. But that doesn't necessarily mean he didn't leave. He knows they're really high. How would he know that unless he tried to climb them? Maybe he yeah. did climb them and got away and just traveled the world for a while. And then eventually he came back home. He, he's in a pretty embarrassing situation as is right then. I don't think he would want to admit more than he has to. Why would he yeah. admit to her that he left? I think it's better for him to just be like, yeah, yeah I never really left. I'm, I'm so loyal. You know, I, I was just going to stay here and be with you guys because I love you Right. <laughs> Why would he be yeah. like, yeah, I left and knocked up some Italian lady. Dude, how many times? But I got to say, say like, doesn't that make more sense than he was living in the walls for? Yeah, I wow. agree. 
Like Honestly, that's what years? I thought when I watched the movie. I was like, oh, so he must have left and then came back because he knew the prophecy and he wanted to save them. And then they're like, no, no, he's just been in the walls. And I was like, what? <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> what was he doing in the walls? <laughs> yeah. Uh. But slight wrench in that theory about the timeline is that in Encanto, toward the end, Dolores says to Camilo, yo, I knew he never left. I heard him every day. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Um, but she's, she's probably reliable. speaking, you know, just just rhetorically, not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, I she's literally heard him every day. She probably means I heard him every day recently because he came yeah. back recently. <laughs> well, and plus, I mean, when he left, she would have been like a little kid. Yeah, she's pretty young. <laughs> so she probably wasn't like listening out for him that much. She hadn't mm-hmm. been trained by her grandma yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The main thing that happens when they enter the town is that Senor Vespa shows up. Um, right. He's Ercole. actually a mean bully by the name of Ercole. And he says that Luca smells, smells like bad. behind the pizzeria. <laughs> so he's saying Luca smells fishy, which he would. <laughs> so he's yeah. not lying. He's just actually But Alberto jumps to his defense Alberto and says, hey, my friend mad. smells amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he loves how Luca smells. If they're not romantically connected, then this movie is like one of those buddy comedies. And in any buddy comedy I've ever seen, if one buddy said about the other, my friend smells amazing, they play the that off as a joke where like, they kind of glance yeah, at each other like, oh, uh, I mean, it. you know, it just, <laughs> you know, but even no in one a romantic on this. movie, usually they would. <laughs> but yeah, they, they just, they, it's just how it is. He's like, yes, I do smell amazing. And I know you know that, Alberto. <laughs> Moving right along, they introduce Julia. I think her introduction is great. I think she's a silly character. She's fun. I do appreciate some of her moments, like, for example, when she's talking to Ercole and he's like, you had to quit the race because you couldn't stop throwing up. And she's like, I didn't quit. They made me stop. And he's like, I think that is worse. (laughs) That is definitely worse. (laughs) That's a great line. It's really good. Soon after this, She introduces the idea of the triathlon that they're going to compete in. I think it's really weird that they have to eat as part of the triathlon. Like, is that ever a thing in real life? I get that this one is sponsored by a pasta company, but I've never heard of that. Do they really want kids throwing up their pasta while they? Right, that's what would happen every time. (laughs) Like, they would throw up sponsored pasta. Okay, around this point, Luca's parents come up to the surface to look for him. It's interesting that his mom, like, really is a vicious sea monster. Um, And these people are absolutely right to be afraid of her and of them. Because her first instinct is to just, like, mercilessly attack any human she sees as she leaps on her own husband and beats the absolute crap out of him just because he looks like a human. And then spends the rest of the movie terrorizing everyone in the whole village. Like, she is a sea monster and they should rid the village of her. She's horrible. It supports our theory because if this is just a metaphor for being different, then it should just be them being sea monsters and being disliked by yes. the humans. But right. their Not parents also family. hate them, yeah. even though they are sea monsters, for going up to the surface, right? Exactly. So, like, it's clearly some sort of metaphor for something else that two groups of people dislike you, your family mm-hmm. and society, you know, yep. and it's not just that your family was weird and it's not just that society is different. It's that you're different from both your family and society. You don't fit in anywhere. You, you know. are LGBTQ or something. <laughs> no, they're so horrible. Like they're just their plan is to drench every kid with water to find Luca. And I have to say this plan is inherently flawed and idiotic because They would be 
revealing him as a sea monster in a crowded town of people that hate sea monsters, which is exactly what they want to avoid because they don't want him to get right, massacred. That's, right? Ostensibly the that's reason his why mom they're is here is to stop <laughs> this from happening. And they're like, hey, what's a good idea? Let's just do it. Let's just show everyone that he's a, a sea monster. Uh, it's the one thing that his mother is supposed to be afraid of. <laughs> right. So clearly that's not the problem, right? Like clearly right. it is Something about else. his sexuality. <laughs> They get into another scuffle with Ercole, and I have to ask, how does Alberto, like, know how to fist box? Yeah, he knows fisticuffs, yep. Well, but his stance, like you said, is, is, his stance is like old-timey Irish boxing. Yeah. <laughs> One hand at your chest, the other extended at nose level about a foot in front of your face. Right. Both gripped in an underhanded fist. <laughs> like it's it's the classic Irish boxing style, and it's just really weird that he does this. Do you think he learned this from his dad, who was sure, Colombian? Maybe if his father was a person who traveled the whole world because his family rejected him and true. went from Colombia <laughs> to true. who knows Europe, uh, traveled all over, and also really loves soap operas and soccer. You know, maybe he knows traditional fisticuff style boxing, and he taught it to his son because certainly Whoa. a normal sea monster wouldn't know how to box like that like dancing around with right. your feet they don't use their feet in the water no and throwing a punch would be like a completely ineffective attack underwater as is demonstrated <laughs> in the movie top secret which i, I highly recommend everybody watch <laughs> i think we probably reference that movie more than any other in our episodes it dude no that awful lot. the underwater fight scene in that movie is so legitimately impressive that it's, it's actually oddly enough gets posted on Reddit like every month and makes it to the front page every time, even though nobody <laughs> knows what the movie is. <laughs> like everyone's all the comments are just like, what is this movie? <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a great scene. So Bruno crossed the ocean. Yeah, he sure How, did. Like he boat. just hopped on a steamboat. <laughs> yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, he right. just, did you, people did that in the 60s. You or sorry, True. no, it wouldn't have been 60s. 50s, like the 40s, 50s, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but you know, okay. there was a thing that happened. People could right. do that. People immigrated. Around the time when Julia opens Luca's eyes to the wider world of education, I just got to mention that she happens to own the world's greatest telescope that has ever been created because, dude. She can clearly see Saturn and its rings, which you yeah. can, you cannot do with like a uh, terrestrial telescope, at least not one of that size. And her school's telescope is insane because it's even bigger and she's going to be able to see beyond the universe. She yeah. says. Wow, dude, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought she was exaggerating, but you're right. We no. should take everything she says at face value. It's literal. Well, I mean, if her tiny <laughs> telescope is that powerful, it's you're right. They're clearly in a world where telescope technology has progressed so far beyond <laughs> our own tele telescope technology that we can't comprehend the advances they've made. <laughs> They're going to look she, beyond. Takes it for granted. Yeah, itself. I will look beyond the universe next year. <laughs> That's something we do. <laughs> During the scene, Alberto just clearly, like undeniably, gets like incredibly jealous and uncomfortable that Luca was left alone with Julia. And afterwards, he like yells at Luca. He's like, Luca, come with me. You know, like he, he wants to get Luca away from Julia. Yeah, as we said, Alberto goes full on Tinkerbell here. Like he is he is romantically jealous of the attention that Luca gets from Julia. 
Okay, so Luca asks Julia if they can go to school with her. And then Alberto gets really jealous and says, um, Julia, I was just wondering, does your school take all, all kinds, kinds of people? people? <laughs> and this is really in your face just saying that the problem here, the problem of this movie is about what Luca is. Yeah. He could be asking about any sort of race or religion or gender preference, sexuality. The fact is that he is bringing to light an aspect of Luca that Luca finds embarrassing and that society finds unacceptable. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter what aspect that is, but it could clearly be mapped to his sexuality and the message would be the same. Well, and then what happens? He jumps in the water. He's about to announce that we are monsters in your eyes. And that's another important part of this movie is that they are monsters in the eyes of the town people, but they're not actually monsters. They're just totally normal, nice creatures that live under the sea, right? And I think that's the point of the movie. That's the message it's trying to say is that just because you think someone's a monster because of some aspect of their being, whether it's their sexuality or otherwise, Maybe they're not a monster. Maybe they're just a guy, right? Maybe yeah. they're just people. Then Luca points at him and says, monster. He denies his true self, right? Like he doesn't right. want to admit He's it. He's still in the closet. Of it. Alberto comes out of the closet. Luca doesn't. Luca doesn't. We've seen this in like kind of different forms of media before, but like in, in like, say like the eighties or nineties, someone might be accused to be gay. And then someone who's, who is gay is like, oh yeah, he is, you know, like, you know, and, and it acts might turn on them. <laughs> right. Right. Or like that scene from Will and Grace <laughs> where it's like, you know, I think two guys together is hot. <laughs> and then his boyfriend <laughs> is like, oh, I just, uh, yeah, I just don't like that. His boyfriend who is gay goes, you know, doubles down in the other direction essentially right. to seem exactly. more oh yes. i'm not gay you know because i don't want everyone to turn against me and so yeah. it will's boyfriend and will and grace is like oh it just it just disgusts me i can't believe you're like that will <laughs> when his boyfriend is gay in case anybody hasn't seen will and grace the scene <laughs> that leif is describing <laughs> is basically two homosexual characters who are dating they're with some of their friends and the uh, the boyfriend doesn't want to admit to everyone that he's gay. But Will, the main character, does want to admit to everyone that he's gay and uh, hilarity ensues. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you go to Wikipedia and read the plot of Luca on Wikipedia, as good of a source as that is, um, wow, the plot is described as then at this point, Alberto goes home heartbroken and trashes his own house and yes. you know, ruins all of his stuff. They specifically say that he is heartbroken at this point. And I don't see any other way to see it. He is absolutely heartbroken. That's the emotion that Disney is and Pixar are trying to convey. Alberto yeah. is heartbroken Conveying because his best well. friend and possible <laughs> lover has betrayed him. I mean, it's just like Tinkerbell does when she's rejected by Peter Pan and she goes home and trashes her home with a bomb. <laughs> wow, it's true. She totally trashed that place. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, Peter Pan had the bomb. She just came and got it from him. But she took it and she was like, I can use this to trash the home. <laughs> yeah, that's what she was trying to do. <laughs> well, Julia may not be the most like deep character. I do like her reaction here because like she is like terrified of Alberto. But then, just a few minutes later, when Luca reveals himself to be a sea monster, she is not terrified or surprised. 
which right. I think is realistic. He's not crashing because, around in the water saying, I'm a monster. Right. He's not trying to scare her, but also, like, of course he's a sea monster. <laughs> if Alberto is, then clearly Luca is. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I'm certain that she already knew Luca was a sea monster. Like, even if you just learned about sea monsters for the first time in your entire life, you would definitely be able to put two or two together and see if he is one, then he is definitely one too. <laughs> Her reaction is very level-headed, but also intolerant. Yeah. Because she's like, you have to get out of here. This is stupid. You shouldn't be risking your life for a Vespa. So she's basically saying, I don't care what you are, but I don't want you to get hurt. So stop flaunting it and go away, you know, which is sad. You know, it's a really sad thing for his friend to tell him that. And uh, it's a good portrayal of it. I think it's an interesting conflict for a character to have in a Disney movie. And, uh, you know, you can you can really feel for Luca here because he just betrayed, you know, his best friend by not coming out. And then when he did come out, he gets the reaction that he didn't want, which is go away, get out of here. So, yeah, it's, it's a good moment. So Luca goes to Alberto and we learn a little bit more about Alberto's father. And I'm just going to say that there are tally marks on the wall. Mm-hmm. And Alberto says that he was counting for a while how long his father had been gone. But he stopped. If you count all of the tallies, I believe it's about 364. So he was yeah. counting for almost a year, but he's stopped for a while. So we know Except that Bruno has been gone Was for a he while. counting days? Or was he counting like minutes or months or years? Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what he was counting. Well, I'm thinking if there's about 364 tallies, probably, probably days. days. <laughs> probably years. He's like 300 year old. <laughs> He's really thing. old, man. So, I mean, this just feeds back into the timeline thing, but it makes sense that Bruno could have gone there, lived with his son for a while, and then decided it was time for him to go home because Freaking Mirabelle's... Deadbeat. What's wrong with him? <laughs> no, he had to go pr- protect Mirabelle because he knew that Your prophecy was going to... You can't leave him all alone, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, and it's true. No, I will, I will not defend Bruno. He did abandon his son, but I mean... Bruno kind of abandons his family sometimes. He yeah, kind of runs away from his family when the going True. gets tough. So it's problems. kind of in character for him. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so All right. I believe Bruno. that he did travel the world. As we know, he's a he's a chameleon. He he can be different people. So he can Whoa. fit in Seven anywhere. Foot frame, he goes. Rats along his back. You'd never recognize him. <laughs> right. Well, he's not Camilo, but he can put a bucket on his head. He can be Jorge. Uh, oh my gosh. I just realized that Camilo is named Camilo to sound like the word chameleon. How did I never notice that? Oh my God. Bruno, I believe he traveled the world for a while. He had trouble integrating with society because he's kind of weird himself. People don't like him. People don't talk about him. I think he ended up falling in with a group of sea monsters. He ended up with a sea monster woman and they had a child. (laughs) Having a family who is full of weird, super-powered individuals, he would be the one human in the world who is not scared away by a sea monster. And it's just like, yeah, that's cool. I mean, like, yeah, everyone in my family has weird powers, so you guys are sea monsters. (laughs) But then the question here is that, why doesn't Alberto have a door in Casita? 
if he truly is Bruno's son, he should have gotten a door in Casita when he turned five years old. Oh, no. And then everyone would have been like, oh, I guess Bruno <laughs> had a kid while he right. was gone. But I <laughs> would, would posit that it. you do not get a door unless you go and do the ceremony. I, and yeah. Alberto wasn't there. He didn't do the ceremony, so he didn't get a door. If he ever came to Colombia to meet his father again, he might get a door. And that's also why he doesn't have a special power other than being a sea monster. That makes sense. I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But I just have to say that before the ceremony occurred, there was a glowing spot on the wall where the door was appearing. Right. And the door was there before the ceremony happened because he had to go. Or, I mean, the person doing the ceremony has to go and touch the doorknob and then they get yeah. magical dust on their hands. And then Mirabelle wiped the dust off. And that's why she didn't get any powers. <laughs> oh. She wipes the dust off. That's why it didn't work. Huh. She does. She wipes the dust off on her shirt. Antonio doesn't <laughs> oh. wipe the dust off. He touches the, the doorknob after he gets the dust and then it works. Well, that could be interesting. They get magical dust and she wipes it off. And we don't see anyone else wipe it off. And it doesn't work for her. So <laughs> she wiped off the magic. <laughs> she shouldn't have well, done that and it's cool because abuela totally wouldn't have even known about that like she would have had yeah. no idea there was magic dust that you don't need to wipe off <laughs> that you need to not wipe off and yeah. she would never know why it didn't work because she wasn't recording it you have to touch the knob <laughs> with the dust still on your hands interesting well that yeah. would also explain why alberto has no power they they get the magic dust from holding the candle specifically so first okay. they touch the candle that gives them the dust and then they touch the doorknob and that like solidifies their connection with Casita and gives them a power. It's really yeah. cool. Like you got to watch it. I actually believe that that's supposed to be what was happening. Yeah. And Unlike I actually believe theory. that she wiped the dust off. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, like seriously, I I think that they had it in mind because like why else would they have her wipe it off? Yeah. And there is a lot of attention to detail in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, that could be it. But we do know Casita can like rearrange itself. So maybe it had a door ready for Alberto and then it just rearranged it, it just off to one corner it yet. like it did it's with Bruno's it. door. <laughs> hey, right. yeah, yeah. But that brings me to one last Bruno thing I was going to say, which is that we know that Bruno's father, Casita, was a tough love father who was like, climb that tower every day, son. <laughs> so I think maybe that's why Bruno kind of grew up this way and he treats his son the same way where he's like you take care of yourself see ya <laughs> for our listeners who haven't listened to our Encanto episode Leif is referring to the fact that Bruno's father is to Casita <laughs> and Casita built the world's worst room for Bruno therefore Bruno's father is a tough love father who is making him climb the stairs right. every day <laughs> which explains That's why Bruno himself saying. might be a tough love father to his son and just abandon yeah. him in a tower Dude which is so what up. Bruno's like, father did to him <laughs> yeah like Bruno would be a very messed up person and is as having watched <laughs> yeah, <Encanto>. extremely <laughs> you see she's his he's her aunt but he doesn't know so it's kind of like <laughs> this, this forbidden love sort of <laughs> Dude, that's what he had with that uh, sea monster, Forbidden yeah, Love. Yeah, he, he loves Forbidden Love. We know that. He does. <laughs> uh, Alberto says that his father left him, and then he says to Luca, you're the good kid. I'm just a kid who ruins everything. I think this is just another reference of like, you you know, you were the good kid, and I'm the one who kind of, by society's definition, led you astray, you know, and made you accept your homosexuality. I don't know. Either way, it's a callback to Luca saying, I'm a good kid. You know, 
when Alberto's father maybe left him because he was homosexual. And that's what that's oh, no, what Bruno. Bruno's father <laughs> well, but that's you? what Bruno's family did to him when they found out that he was it's too. True. It literally <laughs> is, yeah. They ostracized him for it. So yikes. Yeah. And again, reference to our Encanto episode, we do believe that Bruno may have been gay or at least it at was least a metaphor is an analogy for that and also yeah, that isabella definitely found out she was a lesbian and that yes. mirabelle was uh was a bisexual she helped isabella realize what she was yeah, yeah. which is she why isabella says you're a bad influence to mirabelle and then that's what breaks the house anyway we already talked about this <laughs> is there any evidence specific to the movie Encanto? like anything anybody says or bruno says that might connect him back to like this fishy world of Italy. You know, I heard that there was one woman, Senora Pes Muerto, who was told by Bruno that her fish would die and the next day it was dead. Oh, is, is that, what does that, that have to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing, <all>. nothing at all. <laughs> well, that's just what created his interest in fish people. <laughs> so it's interesting to me that basically Luca like announces that he's going crazy and he's going to fix this. He's like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to go win the race. I'm out of here. Take me. Gravity jumps off the tower, you know, survives, but is hurt and runs away. But Alberto's like genuinely worried about him. Like he's jealous and mad, but he's like, holy crap, Luca's gone crazy. <laughs> right. So he like comes after him. He's like, Luca, wait, L Luca, Luca. And presumably is about to follow Luca. But then we cut to the next scene and I guess Alberto just fell asleep after Luca left the tower because he didn't chase Luca. He didn't follow him. He didn't no, do he anything. Just needed, he had to search through the mess he made in his tower for a really long time to find an to umbrella. To find an umbrella. Yes. And as soon as he found <laughs> he it, he it was, was going like, to rain. All right, I'm bringing it to you, man. I knew there was going to be rain a right. long time ago because I can see the future because my dad was Bruno. <laughs> Dude, he saw the future. He knew it was going to rain. That's great evidence. Because why would he have known to Bring Why would you be running out with an umbrella? It just started raining, and it Literally takes a long time to get from his ago. island to the to the mainland, and also okay. with an umbrella. And he's like now, can, minutes later you, running up the hill with an umbrella. Can you prove that that umbrella came from his island? Because if you can, then he saw the future. If that umbrella <laughs> came from the sidelines and he was just watching Luca compete, <laughs> then he yeah, can't see the future. <laughs> yeah, but if well, that umbrella came from his island, then he can certainly see I the future. I don't think I can prove the umbrella was We might need stuff. an addendum. We got to watch every scene I'd have to in look his, at it uh, again. in we'll his see. house. We'll see. Because then he can see the future, which he somehow inherited inherited from his dad, even though he didn't even get a power from Casita. Even though that's not how the powers <laughs> yeah, from Encanto totally work. You works. don't inherit <laughs> your parents' power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, maybe it was just like a prophecy that, his, that, that uh, Bruno told him. Because we know prophecies can just be random stuff. He might have just yeah. said like, hey, I, I see you running with an umbrella to your friend. And then he's like, yeah. what does this mean? Your boyfriend. <laughs> Your boyfriend. Yeah, ew, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he saw his future and saw that he was gay and then left. <laughs> oh, dude. No, wait, I've got it. So Bruno was gay. He went on this big journey after his family found out because he was like, they don't want me. And then he, he was like, no, was I've like got to try it out. Himself. I've got to have sex yeah. with a woman. But he's just not attracted to them. So he finally found someone he was mildly attracted to, a fish woman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he tried like, it out. I can bear it if she's a fish. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you laying eggs? Am I fertilizing them? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was probably easier that way. No, you know, yeah, we don't I know how fish people have sex. That they it, did the deed on land where she would be human. But I guess I was no. wrong. <laughs> no, they did it in the water. She laid her eggs first. He fertilized them. And then he was like, no, I just can't. I, You know what? I, I really, I've waited I think 12 I am years gay. and I'm not straight. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I finally no. tried it with a real woman. She was a fish woman. Yeah, and, but then uh, he stuck work. around for twelve years. Well, because he's ever, you know, he was a responsible dad for a while. No, he's not. Twelve <laughs> years is not long enough. Stick around longer, you deadbeat. <laughs> oh boy. Oh gosh, this Bruno theory just keeps coming back. We think we're done with it's, it. All right. <laughs> it. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So I, I do love the climax of this movie. I, I yeah. in general, I just no, I like climaxes really that occur. In Even the though rain, like the climax is literally just like a five second moment as they like yeah. ride toward each other and grab each other's hand, but it's yeah. really good. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. What follows is you know the moment where basically the town comes together and is like, wait a minute, there's no reason for us to hate these two. Ercole says, everyone is horrified and disgusted by you because you are monsters. This line right. doesn't make any sense with no, the word disgusted. <laughs> People are horrified yes. of sea monsters, not disgusted by them. You only throw disgusted in there if it's a metaphor for like how people felt about homosexuality back then. Where they're like, ew, that's gross, you know? Yes. So. <laughs> in general, I think if you were talking to a sentient being that you think is going to kill you, so you feel like you need to kill it. You wouldn't tell it how disgusted you are of it. You'd probably <laughs> yes. be like, get away, you freak, or die, monster. Yeah. No, it's just such an obvious metaphor. I mean, and then here's one of the biggest evidences is that we find out that many people living in plain sight yes. in the village are They're sea monsters. Sea monsters. This They're showing like, hey, LGBTQ people are just living among you <laughs> and they're just normal people. Okay. And yep. now they can come out and show who they are. They just weren't it's, like it's talking clear. about it before. It's clear it's as day. So clear. That's the metaphor. It's so, it couldn't be anything else. <laughs> then Luca's grandma says, some people will never accept him, but some will. And he seems to know how to find the good ones. And once yeah. again, this is not like a, he's a sea monster. How can we hide it's it? So this is like, like how do yeah. how can the director say that's not what it's about? No, this is like, he has a specific aspect of his person that is reprehensible to some people, but is not actually reprehensible. Right. And he'll and, find and the good people. What they're saying is just like, <laughs> Forget about the other ones too. Just find the good ones and yeah, just, just exactly. You know, forget about those other people who don't accept you. They don't anyway, matter. They're clearly know? just saying that he is gay, and some people won't accept it, but others will, and that's that. You you know what we are saying here? I think it's pretty clear, and I think that the movie supports it. Maybe yeah. maybe it's not overtly about homosexuality, but it's definitely about you know a, a little boy who's doing something new that is forbidden by everyone else, and he likes it and he has to deal with the consequences of being different. Yeah, no, obviously I believe in this theory. I avoided doing a Luke episode for a long time because I just thought the theory was too easy because it's not it's a theory. Too obvious. That's just the movie. I agree. That's right. Movie. And the other reason I avoided doing the Luke episode was because of the Bruno theory, which I thought was too hard because there's no evidence whatsoever. Dude, we proved it so good. But, but <laughs> what do you think about the Bruno theory? <laughs> I think that the Bruno theory is a tough one. It's really, really hard to prove. There's no evidence. 
No, there is enough there. There is actual evidence that makes me want to believe it. And I will say that we have pretty definitively given good reasons to believe that Alberto's father was human and that his name was Bruno. Yes. And we have definitively connected the Bruno from Encanto with his father, Bruno, in the form of two shoes, those two (laughs) boots. He has one. And Alberto has the other. And if Alberto's father is named Bruno, then that makes them the same person, right? So that alone, I think, is enough to make you wonder, right? Right. It's fun to think about. I'll leave it at that. What do you think? You, you, the listener, whoever's listening to this, what do you think? I mean, do you think that Bruno is is Alberto's father from Luca? Let us know. Um, You can write to us on Twitter at Popcorn Isn't Real. And if you like the episode, make sure you, uh, you know, Give it a rating, uh, give it a review, tell your friends about it, leave a comment, tell us what you think, like, subscribe. Music for this episode was provided by Christine. And remember, the popcorn isn't real.